But again, is he looking forward or is he looking back? Because I'd suggest that the rude awakening for the bigger end of the brewery business has already come when you look at some of the, some of the numbers. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of Brews News. And more specifically, Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me is Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt, and uh, Felice Navidad and Joël uh, Noel. Happy and New Year, all of that, Pete. Uh, yeah, Felice, absolutely. Uh, Novo Agno. Just before we move on to sort of uh, talk about our, our breaks, I will sort of just add that little bit about Crymalt because they have come back on for 2020. And uh, they uh, have a little ad on the podcast page that says that they were the original sponsors of um, Australian Brews News, which they very much were. And as I realised over the, the, the break, Pete, this is actually our 10th year of podcasting because we released our first episode in 2011. So yeah, just after, the, the, a year after, uh, after the website had begun. Australia's longest serving beer podcast and inspiration to many that followed, apparently. <laughs> we are the, uh, <laughs> is it a pro- progenitor? Oh, that's a Greg Cook word. He, he would, um, uh, if Stone was a progenitor of the West Coast. No, because I was ripping off other people's podcasts in the US. So there is no first. Um, but I guess uh, because there, I was actually Basic Brewing Radio was the podcast that I listened to. And then there were one or two beer podcasts. I thought, oh, somebody should do that for Australia. And so, yeah, there's nothing original. We were just doing what other people were already doing. And just but 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 having a lot of fun, and I think maybe it looks probably worth thinking about. Uh, not something that we've discussed, but uh, looking back over the ten years and and perhaps uh, putting together, you know, a little bit of a timeline or a, you know, isn't it funny what they said back then? Um, but then we'd have to listen through ten years of uh, you and I oh, just waffling on. <laughs> maybe we can uh, get some people to do that. So anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so to, let, let's make this less about us. I just wanted to to, to note um, that yeah, twenty twenty is uh, 10 years of uh, bit podcasting for Radio Brews News. Yeah, and it's funny. Look, I think it's fair to say that it's grown reasonably organically. I have to say, Matt, um, I don't know how you feel, but uh, particularly over the over the summer break, it was great to see our, um, our listeners and our, uh, I, I guess, our engagers on the various platforms um, sharing our content or um, keeping in, in, in touch and uh, bringing news items to our attention and, and all that sort of thing. Um, we're going to cover, cover a story a little bit later in this podcast about um, the marketing and promotion for um, for the Gab's Hottest 100. Yep. Do we need to, do we need to start pushing that barrel a little bit, Matt? Or? Uh, well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, podcasts. I guess our approach has always been – I guess we've been. I'm a not a big fan of sharing for sharing's sake. No, or, I, you know, I, I, I don't share. I, to me, that's spam. Um, but and and I, I guess particularly when we've always looked at you know other you know particularly some of the big breweries and some of the marketing and you you sort of report on things in a way that potentially calls them out. You don't want to have fingers pointed back at you. So we're very very reluctant to push our content out because I approach these things that. Good content will find a home, and people will uh, share it if, if, if they think that it's valuable to them. And so, yeah. So, I mean, if any of our listeners um, do like a, a particular, I, I figure that our listeners are the best people to decide what content is valuable. We're a little bit immersed in it, and it's also our content. Um, so, you know, we think everything's fantastic, or we think everything's shit, depending on what day of the week it is. Um, but our listeners know what they have found valuable. And if you do find something, if you find a particular interview or a particular observation uh, valuable um, and you think it's worth sharing, um, you know, please uh, feel free to, to share that content on your, your favourite beer group or social media um, to help other people find it because that, that's the way that we feel that is the best way to market what we do rather than automatically share everything and, you know, potentially upset people. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh... It's a little bit like, I guess, we're you know in a similar position to, you know, breweries. Um, I read in uh, Claire's piece about the the hottest one hundred. Craig Williams sort of saying, you know, when the hottest one hundred crappy poll first started, you know, there were, there might have been fifty breweries around. Now there's, you know, uh, I think fifteen hundred beers 
were listed um, to be to be chosen from um, were a little bit the same. You know, when we started, there was there weren't a lot of podcasts around, and now there are there are a lot. So I'm always conscious of not flooding. Uh, you know, put, putting too much stuff out there so that people go, oh, again, and, again, and, yeah. and sort of swipe swipe past it. Yeah, but enough of the. Yeah, 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 so no, 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 exactly, Pete. Enough, no, no, enough about us. Let's uh, enough, so, well, uh, enough, of, enough of the past. Well, how was your break? I, I guess, Pete. First of all, you, you, you had some time off. Did you enjoy a few uh, few beers? Uh, probably less than the normal. Probably a little bit, a little bit of a disrupted uh, Christmas, just with various, um, you know, family illnesses and things that we had to sort of deal with and um, work around. And I've got one of my daughters is overseas, so um, the house has been a little bit quieter. So you know. Um, yeah, probably I had fewer beers but enjoyed them more because there was less less hustle and bustle. You know, I had a little bit, bit more time to sort of sit and sip and savour. Nice. What about yourself? Um, yeah, look, I, I had a very quiet week. I actually found, yeah, I, I, I just stopped. I, over Christmas, between Christmas and New Year, um, it, it always seems to go very, very quickly. I just sat down, enjoyed a couple of uh, very nice beers in the in, in the context that they uh, should be enjoyed without focusing too much on them. So uh, yeah, it does make you appreciate. It. It's it's nice to have the opportunity to just kind of hit pause. And whilst I missed our weekly chats, I mean we still you know, we still kept in touch and whatever. But uh, in terms of not having to necessarily, you know, it's nice to sometimes just to get up each morning and sort of go. What do I want to do today? Exactly. <laughs> Actually, for just on that, fortunately, I did have a couple in the bag. Um, Brad Rogers. I, I don't know if you've caught up with the Brad Rogers chat, Pete, but I, I did a live from, I want to say Brewski, but it's actually my beer dealer, which is their bottle shop, um, chat with Brad just before Christmas. And it was it, it was really interesting because it was one of those ones where there's 20 people sitting around, Brad and I, in, in uh, the leather ottoman, um, very much gentleman's club, but just having a chat almost as if there was no one around, but uh, engaging people. So hopefully that translates okay to a recorded podcast. But Brad had some, you know, as, as a, um, oh God, elder statesman, um, venerable Brewer, um, somebody who's been around a, a long time, had some very, very interesting things to say about the the evolving beer market and how they've kept relevant and and those sorts of things. So uh, go back and uh, he's in that rarefied air of um, or the, that very special place of people who were there before this all this whole thing started, um, and it, and is still here now, and, and still very sort of you know, actively, literally, you know, on the tools. Mm. Um, so there's you know he Brendan Varus, um, uh, Chuck Hahn. Uh, Richard Watkins, you know these guys who, and and plenty of others who who've just sort of not come in because the door was open for them, um, but they were some of the ones sort of outside knocking on the door for years, you know, before craft beer was sort of a thing. Exactly, exactly. And, and so their their opinions are always, I guess that uh, just that that little bit special because they they have that insight into well, you know, we we kind of remember what it used to be like. Mm. Yeah. Um, so looking ahead. Um, I know I did notice Matt that one of the your, uh, one of the posts that that came up because you know, Bruce news that the hamster you know may have had had some breaks but the, you know we were able to put another hamster on the wheel and keep the <laughs> keep the stories coming out as they as they as they happened um, but in terms of trends and uh, you know one of the and I, and I, I won't. I won't push you on the, uh, you know, what was your favourite beer, Matt, of the decade? Okay. <laughs> oh, what are your ten favourite beers of the ten favourite beers that, you know, of your ten favourite beers? And, and look, but, that but seems it is, to be But a... it is the, the start of a new decade, obviously. It's a good, it is a good opportunity to sort of plant the feet and go, look ahead and go, right, what's happening? What, what's going to happen? But it's, it, it's, a, it's a news media trope um, of something that isn't really news but trying to make it look newsworthy by hooking it to an angle and you know at the end of the year the end of the decade um you get to sort of say hey this is news because we're looking ahead to the the beer trends um and you know pete i I look i know i know myself whenever i look ahead um and i'd sort of say i here's what i think is going to happen when i whenever i look back i always forget the things that i got wrong and it's always the things that confirm what i got right um so i I, (laughs) I told you i told you (laughs) I find that they're, they're interesting barroom discussion, but when you've got 50,000 publications all, um, you know, every blog, every sort of website, every newspaper um, doing it, I just sort of find it's a little bit um, boring, particularly when a lot of them, you know, like you sort of send out 15 emails and just take a grab. I, I just also find not only does it really not add anything that 
isn't already out there, but it's, it, it tends to be a little bit lazy. Oh, and Matt, do you find too, if you, if you read enough of them, you'll finally find your favourite brewery will be listed in the uh, top five of somebody's list and you go, yes, I was right. It's a little bit like the horoscope. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, some of them are so general. Um, but anyway, so, so that's all a way of saying I, I, I was reluctant to, to share, but um, there was one in Forbes that looking ahead, beer pros predict the next decade of trends. So on, on one hand, it is one of those send out 20 emails and take your 15 favourite res- 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 responses. But it was from Chris Finari, who used to be on the Brewbound podcast and before they had a little bit of a hiccup during the year. But I always found his insights were reasonably interesting. Um, but it was more the intro to his article that, that grabbed me where he looked a little bit about over the decade and talked about in, in the 2010s, the craft beer market, um, you know, talked about the size of it. But then he also talked about um, the changes to the volume limits for the um, Brewers Association's definition, because it was originally 2 million barrels. And then as the Boston Beer Company um, started to grow out of that, um, they changed it to 4 and then 6 million, um, because they said, you know, other breweries are going to come up against this um, level as well. It's nothing to do with Boston Beer Company, but others are going to come up against this ceiling. And he, he, he made the interesting observation that, you know, Boston Beer Company did pass the two million barrels, but no other um, Brewers Association defined breweries um, have yet. Um, and most haven't come close because we had the great stalling of 2016, 2017, um, where Boston Beer Company went through it, and then Boston Beer Company went through 4 million barrels, I think. But well over 50% of that volume is actually not craft beer, you know, not non, the traditional... Yeah, non-beer products. Non-beer products. Um, it's the hard ciders, the hard teas, um, that sort of thing, which, again, prompted the Brewers Association to change the definition of... Um, what craft beer was by taking out the ownership, you know, their interest in non-beer. Um, and I, I actually thought that that was a really interesting um, observation when, when you take the, the look at it. It really showed how much, um, quite apart from hazies and things like that, it was what our concept of a independent craft beer business is over the decade um, fundamentally changed. And it's something that I've picked around the edges of um, over the last, you know, six or 12 months. And I talked about, you know, when Brute Styles um, came out and uh, I, I talked about the use of enzymes because 10 years ago, if a brewery used enzymes, they almost by definition weren't a, a craft beer brewery. Um, you know, we we're seeing a, you know, breweries in the US and starting here to get out of the, the, the craft beer and we, we, the, the edges of craft beer are really starting to, to bleed. Um, and that was one of the biggest changes um, that came out of 2010. Um, how about you, Pete? Did you take much out of that? Yeah, no, it was an interesting article, I thought. Um, and having been to, uh, I thought I saw uh, Daniel Kennery, who was the co-founder and CEO of Harpoon Brewery. And um, I was lucky enough to, to visit their great, really great brewery. But the, the thing that really stands out you know, position and all that sort of thing. And um, the branding was was really, really smart. But every single beer we had was absolutely spot on. It had a Kolsch and it was just nothing exciting, but it was just a really good Kolsch. Um, at the other end, there were hazies and neepers and brewed IPAs and whatever else that, that were there. But every beer was just, it, it just really well executed. Um, and so, yeah, I think Daniel's thoughts uh, or his quote, um, there'll be a huge hangover from this unsustainable boom. Those brewers brewers who thought the good and easy times would last forever are in for a rude awakening. I think that's probably the, the my biggest take out of, of that whole thing because that really, I think, inform, it informs, you know, what we need to look at going forward. Well, but again, is he looking forward or is he looking back? Because I'd suggest that the rude awakening for the bigger end of the brewery business has already come when you look at some of the, some of the numbers. Um, and, and again, like I would contrast uh, Kim Jordan, who said, uh, we'll inev- inevitably see a shakeout of fewer breweries, which is interesting given New Belgium's recent sale based on um, what we understand was the debt that they'd taken on for a couple of reasons during the good times. Um, the one that really stood out for me, actually, she did say um, less choices, less innovation, or even breweries taking fewer chances. 
um, because I'll contrast that with um, Matt Fraser, who's the Chief Operating Officer of Kanaki Craft Brewery Collective, which is one of the, um, I believe it's, and I don't have it in front of me, the one of the private equity-backed brewery consortiums in the US, um, where a number of breweries have been rolled into one consortium. There's about, that... about seven, I think. There's, um, I know, uh, off the top of my head, there's Three Weavers, Cigar City down in Florida. Um, uh, da, 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 da. I can picture it. They were the ones on the corner at um, Great American Beer Festival. Um, and, and we were lucky enough to, to listen to Matt Fraser um, talk at the, the Brewbound panel discussion that you and I went to. Were we While lucky? We're well, uh, uh, that's again, were we lucky? It was interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll it was, I thought that. it was very interesting. Um, but again, so I'll read his quote in full. Our consumers yeah. are going to continue demanding the latest new products. Their taste profiles will evolve over the next decade and we'll see companies in our space evolve with our company, with our consumers. Kaneki plans to continue to innovate along with our consumers and get in front of the next pocket of significant growth within our category. But what are you going to make, Matt? Well, that, that, that's what is that? so, so he's been asked what are the significant trends going to be, and he's basically going to say, well, people's tastes are going to change, and we are going to evolve with them by making the products that they are drinking. Um, but isn't that what we've been doing anyway? But he's listed that as innovation. <laughs> yeah. But, but, oh, right, I guess. So, well, yeah. but, but anyway, so, so uh, I, the, the thing I took from that is, base, you know, maybe, again, being a little bit cynical, but you've got one of these business-focused collectives, um, and he speaks like a banker talking. You know, I'm surprised he didn't throw the liquid that we make um, or something along those lines in. Because or share of throat. Or share of throat. Um, talking about it, but he, he didn't actually talk anything about uh, beer. Just we're going to pursue um, what is, is selling, and that's one of the risks that we do see is the craft beer industry um, as, as there is consolidation as we do see the bigger players go um, either sale or roll up or um, growth it is much harder for them to take the risks involved in, in, in innovation and they become much more followers of trends as opposed to to innovators um, and because it, it's very very hard to keep going and I, I just thought that was quite an interesting little uh, um, grab from somebody who didn't really say anything. Yeah, it was. And the whole story, um, as I say, on Australian Brewers News, uh, check it out through the Facebook page or the, or the group. The group. Um, well, well worth a read, just to sort of, um, to, yeah, just to put in your mind. Yeah, well, I wonder what, you know, what what's coming up ahead and what role do I play in it as a, as a drinker? Because presumably the consumer does have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of pull. On with the news, Matt. Uh, a little bit closer to home, um, and you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. ABAC warns <laughs> against milkshake in, in the latest findings. Uh, ABAC has warned against the use of the term milkshake for alcoholic beverages. It made the comments in a ruling in which it dismissed a complaint about the branding and the decal of Pirate Life's iced coffee milkshake due to its availability. In a complaint to the watchdog, an unnamed individual argued that the name and branding of the beer associated with a soft drink, specifically naming Farmers Union iced coffee, which they said was quote, as popular as Coke in South Australia, unquote. They said that this could imply a strong appeal to minors, which is banned under the ABAC code. Yeah, look, again, interesting one. Um, It's been interesting to see the comments. Um, There have been a lot of consumers who have been railing against it and calling it a mockery, Um, but not too many. (laughs) (laughs) M-O-C-H-A? Mockery. Oh, okay. Um, Sorry, I know you're not, yeah, no, you're I know you're not supposed to laugh at your own jokes, but I hadn't heard that one. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think there's any surprise in this one. If, you know, I, I, the, the granular level of de- detail that ABAC is having to go into, well, milkshakes do potentially appeal to minors. Coffee is an adult beverage. And, and breaking it down... When you start getting to that level of granularity, it does start to make things ridiculous. But if you look at it, um, you know, again, the starting point is beer doesn't have alcohol doesn't have a unencumbered license to sell. It's a product that can cause harm. It's a product that needs to have special, um, you know, consideration around. And it's a little bit like you know, um, we'll probably start a debate here: firearms. You know, you've got the whole people, um, people, guns don't kill people, people with guns kill people. Um, yes, but the number of people who get shot by children because guns are left lying around um, 
you know, I'm a responsible fire owner. Yes, you are until you're not. Um, you, you, I don't want to get into the whole gun debate, but alcohol has special marketing considerations around things like that. Do we really need to be grossly branding our, um, you know, grossly in the terms of the size that we're branding um, beers as milkshakes? Um, milkshake IPAs just because it is a, a, a trend because milkshakes do have the ability to appeal to children or confused children who don't know about um, craft beer trends. Um, it, it, it's it's not hard. Um, but anyway, to, to anyone... We, we, we are the business of innovation. Let's, you know, we, let's find something new. Let's find something of our oh, own. Make, make the beers. There's I mean, geez, a market we can for in, them. We can invent a word. Yeah, or, yeah, invent the word or have it in small print um, or, or whatever. But just read the ABAC findings understand what are hot button issues and what aren't avoid the hot button issues by a clear margin so we don't have problems um you know and just you know because again it always comes back people i mean the people are saying boycott abac um as if abac you know it, it it's not abac abac is doing its best to be an independent as soon as it's not seen as being independent which it's already not by the anti alcohol crusaders as soon as it isn't seen as independent, um, we're going to get a compulsory code. And the wowsers and the people who are making um, ridiculous complaints or who are making, you know, who are going back and trolling 10 years of social media posts to find social media posts that they can complain about are going to have a much louder voice. Um, the, the, the code is there. It's easy to avoid. Just... Listen to it. And actually, that's the other thing I'll say. If you are a beer marketer, um, I would be having somebody go back and um, sanitizing your social media posts just because otherwise you're going to be wasting a lot more time and resources defending quotes, uh, defending past social media posts. When you look at some of the Brewdog ones, did you see that there was Brewdog ones from Europe from five years ago um, that if they were published in Australia, absolutely would have um, breached um, the, the code but they were five years ago from another country and people were still complaining about them so you know brewers just be aware that you you are going to become a target for your old posts even if you're not yet sorry matt what was that brew pubs should sound good too pardon as the evolving <laughs> beer market sees the rise and rise of the brewery as a venue and not just a factory that makes beer hospitality is becoming an important uh, or as important as the brewing technique but with many breweries and venues essentially industrial spaces, a welcoming space can be undermined by venue acoustics. Uh, Matt, we probably had this uh, discussion quite a bit before um, as a result of us not being able to have a discussion. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it, it is, and I will say up front, now, <laughs> this is the sort of article that probably reads like an ad because you often get people going, hey, here's an idea for a story that you can do about my... Um, business um, and there was absolutely no commercial um, gain in this. This was something that I was aware of, and I started asking questions, particularly after our visit to the US. Prof, and I noticed a number of venues over there that were investing in noise treatments um, and you know sound baffling and um, audio yeah, systems yeah. that weren't just a and, big... and particularly when we went sort of from one brewery to another to another to another because um, you're trying to tick those boxes and sort of go okay you know we need to just have one beer in each of these places because we want to you know experience it and the difference sometimes was you know pardon the pun but deafening um, you could tell how some had had treated the space differently, and obviously some. And like I say, without this being an ad, but um, Acoustec, is it? Um, was the I, I'd imagine that's Acoustec, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Um, Kat, um, Katarina um, did did this article, so uh, yeah, I, I'd sort of flagged it with so her. So se- senior senior project acoustic engineer at Acoustec, Mark uh, Guitart. Yeah. So isn't that a appropriate? Uh, anyway. He told Kat that uh, investing in excellent acoustics is a trend that is bound to start off in Australian venues. I've seen some where they're obviously working on it, but there's some like, you know, as the article said, you're basically working with a big industrial space that's a lot of stainless steel, a lot of concrete, you know, a lot of brushed aluminium and whatever, and the sound, yeah, does tend to sort of bounce around a bit. You throw in, um, you know, a a DJ, a sound system, an acoustic duo or or a, a band, um, and all of a sudden, yeah. But even it, more uh, so... changes yeah, the dynamic. Oh, it, it does. But even more so, like, it's, it's not just you throw those in. You know, 
the, the evolution of the brew pub was the brew pub was the afterthought. It was a production venue that that you started to have a little bar that had no design thought put into it. It's, well, here's our space. We'll turn this into a place where people can sit and try our beers. Um, but essentially, and, it's a working brewery. Yeah, and, and, and that gave rise to an aesthetic that people, that resonated with people. And so even the venues that have had brew pubs that have been built around the brew pub idea, um, where the brew pub is an afterthought, they adopt that aesthetic, but they haven't evolved that, well, hold on, this is also a hospitality venue, or this is primarily a hospitality venue that has the brew pub aesthetic. Um, and it's something that I think more and more is going to become an, an incredibly important issue for small businesses to um, uh, be mindful of. And it's not just acoustics. Acoustics was just one of the examples. Again, I've mentioned that I'm yeah, deaf. Yeah. It was something that we noticed um, that you do notice sometimes when you find yourself shouting. And you do get people comment, oh, look, I don't want to go there because you can't hear yourself think. Um, you know, it's a nice venue and there's just something about it that I, I, I don't feel comfortable there. These are the sorts of, you know, 5% um, you know, factors that um, you don't really give a lot of thought to but can really determine whether, you know, on a Saturday afternoon people choose your venue over somebody else's. You know, is it dog-friendly? Can you actually have a conversation? Because if you're going down with a group of friends and you can't have a conversation because it's so noisy that's going to become an issue that makes them choose another venue. Um, and, yeah, so, so this is just one element of, of you are a hospitality venue. And the other thing that I'd, uh, I think I've said on the podcast before, Pete, is the, you know, breweries that they say, well, we're a brewery, but most of our income comes from uh, the, the retail component of what we do. My argument would be, well, you're actually not a brewery any more than a restaurant is a kitchen. Um, you know, if you've got a chef out the back going, hey, we're a kitchen, um, and it just matters the quality of the food, and you've just, you know, pick up somebody who loves food but has got no background in hospitality to run your front of house, doesn't know how to serve, doesn't know how to clear plates, doesn't know how to greet customers, all of those sorts of things, but just loves food, then... Customers are, might be getting a really beautiful food that looks good on the plate, but they're going to have a shit hospitality experience because you're not a kitchen, you're a restaurant. And, yep. I, you know, and I, unless I, you're the only game in town, you're going to lose customers. And um, Exactly. When you were the only game in town, you could be a little bit lax, a little bit lazy and just be the afterthought. Um, as there's more and more competition, if people just don't quite enjoy you as much as they enjoy the other places and as beer... Um, increases across the board, um, they're going to be the things that see people away. So anyway, acoustics was just one of the things that I picked up on, uh, but I, I think we're going to see a lot more focus on hospitality um, and the, the, the comfort of patrons. Yep, for sure. Matt, it's January already. It's 2020 already. Speaking of 10 years, well, it's now 11 years. Or is it 12? No, I think it's 11 years of um, the Gab's Hottest 100 and the live countdown is, uh, is fast approaching. One of the biggest days in Australian beer, the annual Gab's Hottest 100 Craft Beers Countdown, is again taking place this year on the 25th of January, because it falls on Saturday, and Australian Brews News will be there to cover it for you. Matt, we will be in Cairns at Hemingway. So if you happen to be up there, up that way, or if you can make it up that way, uh, come and join us. Come and join us, yes. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be there. We'll come in after the, after the, first, the, the first hour. So when the, the first... 10 or so. I think we don't come on until just before number 20. So we broadcast the last two hours of the actual of the countdown, countdown. The reveal. Yeah, that's the, right. The, the, the reveal. And then this year we'll also um, do an hour long wash up um, afterwards. So we'll get to number one and then do another hour, just sort of looking at the wash up um, so we can go to people because I, who knows what it's going to be. Um, this year, you know, where's Bolter going to be? Are they going to be top 10? Are they not going to be? Um, you know, there's so much campaigning that I've got no idea. In, in the past, we've had a bit of an idea based on the previous year's form guide, um, how it's going to go. But so what I wanted to do this year was we're just going to line up our guests um, for the two hours and then we'll probably start making calls. We'll just have a list of numbers for people that we can talk about in the wash-up once we see what the results are. Um, 
just so there's no suggestion. And again, Matt, we'll um, so John John's going to come up and help us. John um, John's going to be there, so we're going to have a panel operator, so you and I don't have to be the um, man the phones man and the phones and that sort of thing. Uh, but also, it means that uh, that we can get comments, so our, our listeners can jump into the chat room um, and and not chat with us live, but they can put in their thoughts and comments or ask us questions to ask. You know, if we say, oh, in 10 minutes we're going to speak to Richard Watkins from Bentspoke, yep. people can, oh, ask Richard this or tell Richard this. But yes, it, if you are interested, if you're going, if you want to, if you are a listener and you enjoy our particular brand of coverage, um, we'll be recording the last two hours of the countdown and then an hour. So I think it's two till five um, daylight, Eastern Daylight Time, uh, three till six, um, or three till six, time. three till six Eastern Daylight Time, two till five um, local time Eastern Standard Time, and then work work the rest out based on whether you're Adelaide or um, Western Australia or you know, South Australia or Western Australia. Um, you can get a link. You can listen to it through the page on Bruce News, or you can go to MixLR. Dot com um, and there's a link on, on the website that will tell you where you can join. There's an active chat room, so you can talk to... It's a little bit like the Facebook group, but you can talk live. We'll be monitoring that. Um, so if we've got a guest on, you can feed us questions to ask the guest um, and chat with your fellow um, uh, chat room attendees, discuss the results. Um, I, I think we served, like in, in terms of total listenership, and people don't... Uh, some people listen to the full three hours, but I think there was—I uh, don't think it was five hundred hours, but there was a, a, a significant um, audience um, of over a thousand people. So maybe it was five hundred hours we streamed last year. Um, so certainly, there's there's a very active chat room, um, and you can listen live, and you can engage with the experts and the, the brewers and ask questions and you know you can guarantee we'll either be getting scotty hargraves or sterling howland we'll be getting um someone from stone and wood on you know if, if they particularly if they reclaim the top spot we'll be getting the richard watkins we'll be getting the brennan viruses uh, let us know and, and hopefully chatting to a few of the new um new appearances as well and, and that's where again i don't want to make the decisions i'd like to see um so if you're listening to this jump on the facebook group and let us know um who you would like to hear from on the day, um, you know, to, to ask questions to. So anyway, that's enough about us. But the, the, the reason that that came up in the news this week is um, Claire did a story. Pete, can you remember a year where there has been more active campaigning? You know, I'll call it prime ministerial campaigning because in the past – it's been a little bit like vote for the Liberal Party, vote for the Labor Party. You know, you know, vote for our brewery. You know, what was your favourite beer from our brewery this year? Um, more than ever, people have actually been putting vote their... for the, vote for this specific policy. Yeah, or, or or vote for the Prime Minister. You know, so here's our main person, here's the leader of our party, um, but then vote for our party um, as well. So you know, you, you you've seen Stone and Wood. Um, I, I think on the day that Bolter announced their sale, even before um, the Hottest 100 opened, Stone and Wood fired a shot saying, you know, vote for independence, uh, you know, essentially saying vote for independence um, for the Hottest 100 or keep in mind independence for the Hottest 100, um, which was a, you know, a fairly uh, pointed reference. A pointed call to arms, yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I was reading, in fact, I was reading that article that we talked about from Forbes and in, in the feed was a modus operandi Google ad. So it wasn't just people mining their mailing lists or their Facebook feed or their Twitter feed or their Instagram feed. It, there are actually, you know, full page ads going in newspapers or ad in local newspapers and people trying to really activate their local market. Can you remember a year like this in the past? No, it certainly seems to have like grown year on year um, that more and more brewers re- realising the value of... Um, getting your beer into, let's say, the top 10. Um, but if you're a new brewery, just being mentioned, you know, in the, the hottest 100, and you look at, um, you know, One Mile last year, um, the, the, the I guess the brand awareness that it, that it gives a brewery like that up in Darwin. Um, the other issues, I guess, are that um, I'd love to see how that 31,000 individuals who, who voted. 155,000 votes, yeah. How, how that grows. Because I, I think, I, I because think, I think it'll the, go one, up. the one thing we the one thing we never got, and I you know get rung every now and then, um, you know uh, mainstream talkback radio 
for my opinion on, oh, you know, this, yeah, we've, this beer got number one in the hottest 100 and no one had ever heard of it. And, you know, and now it's Stonewood Pacific Ale and, you know, it's, it's ubiquitous almost. Um, we sort of jumped on those as little, um, little wins, you know, little mini wins that, oh, you know, mainstream's interested. You know, oh, somebody wanted to do a, you know, uh, an article, you know, um, speaking to James Smith from the Crafty Pint and, and it appeared in the age, in the M section, you know, whatever it might be, you know, food and beverage section. Um, now I think it's a lot, it, it's getting a lot more spread, particularly through, I guess, what we you know, we call more mainstream venues who are now pouring Pirate Life or Four Pines or Mountain Goat. Um, Uncle Dan's is certainly doing, I notice, a lot more um particularly after the fact, um, in years gone by, where they'll have, you know, a particular beer and they'll say, oh, this beer was number four in the Hottest 100. Now they're, they're preempting it a little bit more and, uh, you know, the local beer expert in the in the local store will be saying, you know, uh, talking about the Hottest 100 in the voting sense. So more people, I think, are getting exposed to it, which is great. Oh, look, I, I think it's, it's terrific. Do you think that it... Not not makes it less. I don't want to make it sound judgmental, but does it change what the results mean when you when you see breweries putting so many resources into? So it's not just uh, a popular. From, from vote. my point of view, in all honesty, I, the the results are almost irrelevant. Um, what's been most exciting for me is because um, because at the end of the day, no no two hottest one hundreds have ever been the same in terms of the way it's been marketed, in terms of the way it's been delivered, in terms of the way it's been received and chatted about, it, it evolves, it, it grows, it changes. You know, the number of people who vote automatically changes it. The way that people ask people to vote for them changes the the nature of the thing. For me, the best part about it all is the discussion that comes up afterwards. Couldn't uh, agree more, but at the same time, I don't think you can say the results are irrelevant because... When you speak to breweries that feature very well or have a big bump, it does lead um, to very real commercial outcomes. And you know, so people, so businesses are very strongly incentivised to um, devote resources to trying to get their number one beer um, up higher um, than it, it would if it was just left organically and particularly breweries that have got you know, maybe a, a fairly strong core range across the board want to get one beer in the top 10 rather than you know four beers in the top 50 because yeah. of, of the headline. I think you just made my point, Matt. Yeah. Like we're already talking about it and it hasn't even been announced yet. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, but, but, it, but it, it does matter. <laughs> but I, I just wonder whether you, you think that it's going to skew the results um over time and whether it's going to disadvantage the very small breweries without marketing budgets, um, even if they are, do have a bit of local hype as the bigger breweries. Uh, uh, no, I think it's the one thing where you probably look at the end of the day, it's the most, it's the hottest beer. It's not the most critically acclaimed. It's not the best technically brewed. It's not the one that's closest to style or um, the largest um, volume figures or anything like that. It's all just this ephemeral kind of, you know, it's it's the hottest, and so every beer to me has an equal chance. Obviously, distribution means that you know you, some beers have a a more equal than others. But the fact that you, um, if you've got a you know a lot of small breweries have an iPad set up at the bar. Hey, if you like our beer, here here's the thing. Yeah, pop over there and and vote for some beers. So I think you, your marketing side of things doesn't have to it doesn't have to cost you a cent. Yep. Yeah, that, that's very true. So, I mean, I, look, I just think this year, and we'll, we'll see, but I'm anticipating that I'm going to have to change my, um, you know, the the, the, the formula um, because in the past it's been reached by Hype Squared, um, you know, showing that bigger breweries um, have an advantage in, in, in one sense, but it's not as big an advantage as the, the really trendy hyped breweries that just get a lot of buzz organically on social media. Um, they yep, can yep. get a small, very, you know, hyped, trendy, engaged brewery um, up, whereas a bigger brewery is a little bit harder because it's harder to be hypey uh, about it. I, I actually think that I'm going to have to sort of uh, have the formula change a little bit where it'll be um, reach plus investment <laughs> in brackets 
Okay. By, oh, cool. This is what square. I've always wanted, Matt. I've always wanted where they have the brackets and then inside the brackets, yeah. there's got to be like um, a, a letter or a symbol that I don't even know, like a zeta or gamma or something. Yeah. But then it's got to be over something else inside those brackets. So if our, our listeners can come up with a, okay. their, no, no, their no, version, no, got it. help so, us so, out. So the, so the Kierkegaard algorithm is open brackets, reach plus change in investment, delta I. <laughs> so it's R plus delta I, close brackets. By H squared. All right. So reach plus the, the change in your investment um, or the amount of your investment in campaigning uh, by hype squared. So hype will still have a big um, involvement, but then... Oh, still, it, it, it's, it's all about hype. Oh, it's, yeah. Hype is still a, a big thing. But, you uh, know, for example, Stone and Wood has a much bigger audience and database. And so them sending an email, um, because they can't incentivize them and it's still just knowledge people who aren't necessarily engaged to vote there's only going to be a percentage of them whereas breweries that have a lot of hype behind them um those people are much more incentivized to vote just because of the passion yeah and look the other thing too and we've said it before in relation to um to awards um good beers will miss out on a place in the hottest 100 good beers will miss out on awards but bad beers like poorly made beers Infected beers or you know unsophisticated beers will not necessarily okay. appear in the I, high up. There's now, potentially the other one brewery that I'll uh, oh yeah there's potentially a couple of breweries that uh, I, I I'll wait and see what the results before I agree. Right. Well, no, I look I look forward to it. Um, Matt, the other thing it's just occurred to me that you're going to have to slot in there because I think it does have an effect in, into your into the uh, the K underscore A the Kierkegaard algorithm. Um, your, your your core range. So if you have a, a smaller core range, and you have a standout, you know, like one particular beer that's that's just ubiquitous, I think you have an advantage over the brewery that has ten or fifteen beers all year round, all of which are pretty good, or some are you know exciting, but they appeal to different markets because you you you. It's it's like the the premiership team rarely produces the Brownlow medal winner because you have got so many good players they're all taking votes off each other rather than you know one really good player in a in a bottom performing team mm. well, you know something yeah. do better. Oh no no I, I agree although it, it, it's it's and funny. I know there is a, a exceptions to that rule and I'm I'm talking about AFL in the seventies and eighties it was probably a lot more commonplace now now you know it's it's different. Well, I might, I'll, I'll look at how I how I think that plays into it um, because I don't, undoubtedly it does. But that's where also I think that the um, the amount of lobbying, the you know, breweries, well, yeah, your marketing probably does affect that point a lot could, more. Well, because breweries are trying to um, those that have a fairly strong core range are trying to push one beer, the beer into the, the number one yeah. vote. So. That, yeah, and then that's where I'm just trying to work out what the dynamic is versus, yeah, because it, it undoubtedly does. And that's where, um, you know, it was interesting to see Sterling Howland um, comment because to some extent they're on a hiding to nothing this year. They've just been freshly taken over. Um, they were number one for two years in a row. Um, there's going to be you know, a little bit of blowback um, and there hasn't been the time for greater reach to come in. Um, so you, you would expect that they're going to, suffer um and it's just a question of how much this year so they're on hiding to nothing and they haven't been campaigning they have been playing a very even hand just saying look vote for the hottest 100 if you like our beers vote for us but also they haven't been saying vote for bolter xpa and sterling's view is well it actually gives us a nice little um uh you know market research into how all of our beers are going um you know across the board and where they're 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 fitting because i think they had five in the top 100 last year. Um, and that's ideally what I think it, it could be. But if you're out there campaigning for one beer in particular, then you're not going to get as much market um, feedback organically, but you are going to push one beer up high. Anyway, I don't think we've probably talked enough about that. Um, we'll wait and we see. January, one thing that January I can 25. guarantee, Matt, um, one thing, I, I, a beer style that I don't think will appear in this year's Hottest 100 uh, is alcohol-free. And uh, <laughs> we finish off with... Oh, well, uh, will it? Judging by the yeah, amount of attention it's been getting. Let's 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 wait and see. But our last story, Brewdog is opening the world's first alcohol-free craft beer bar called Brewdog AF, with the final two letters standing for alcohol-free rather than the other term that instantly popped into everyone's head. Uh, the bar launched in London on Monday, January 6th. 
every one of its 15 taps will pour – did you write this, Matt? Booze-free brews, focusing uh, on draft, does our show notes, beer, so on, yeah. alcohol. I, I, I uh, think that's just a direct lift from the article, so it wasn't. So, yeah, 0% and 0.5% tipples, with the latter also officially classed as alcohol-free. Uh, it's an interesting marketing move to have an alcohol – free craft beer bar it is and i get sent a lot of articles because of, from listeners and uh you know industry people because i am so skeptical about alcohol free beers and i got sent one uh during the week uh that i think was in one of the drinks trade association or something talking about over the last two years alcohol free beers have gone up by 60 percent um you've know, seen 60 percent market growth and my first response is, well that sounds like a lot but you're talking about something that's coming off a very small base, an incredibly small base. So sixty percent, yeah. you know. So if last year ten percent of the population tried one, and this year sixteen percent of the population tried one, but never bought one again, is that right? Is that it's still not a lot, but it's a big jump. But it's it's it's, it's a big jump. Um, we're still very an much algorithm in, you can work it out. Yeah, we're, we're still very much in the trial phase. Uh, there is so much. Every magazine, it's one of the things that you know that um, is going to, it's, it's almost clickbait articles these days where alcohol-free beers just guaranteed getting coverage in uh, mainstream media. It's going to be creating a lot of interest in the category. Interest is going to create trials so people can go, oh, gee, I wonder what they taste like. Um, and they're yeah, going to go off yeah. and try them. And so the, the figures are incredibly dirty based on, on that because you don't know again i still haven't seen anybody i haven't seen an alcohol-free beer tap um in, in in a pub i haven't seen anybody rock up to a party that i've been at um or anybody ask for i have it's, it's called the water tap Matt. oh it's good yeah. <laughs> um and, and 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 they're the things that for me are going to show that it's more than just trial you know when you see an empty um bottle in the gutter um or when you see somebody wearing an alcohol-free t-shirt because it's cool they're some of the things that are going to show me that you know that this thing is actually more than just a marketing campaign that is generating headlines um and so back to the the, the brew dog article this is going to be really interesting now being brew dog i have that natural degree of cynicism have they you know are they going to run this for a month in january get all of the headlines and then you know the first of february suddenly going to start pouring um, all of their other beers um, because it was a la- it was a great launch campaign, great um, marketing campaign for their, their alcohol-free beer. But there is absolutely no way that you're going to run a bar on alcohol-free um, that I can see. No, it's yeah, it certainly is a it, it's it's a very interesting way to sort of I guess to to label your your product. Speaking of labels, Matt, we welcome back Relling's label stickers and packaging. Back to the podcast again this year for 2020. They're sponsoring. Um, call Rellings on 1300 852 235 to discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels done. And we thank Rellings for uh, coming on board. Thank you very much to, to Rellings. And uh, yes, and speaking of great correspondents who always uh, send us interesting articles uh, for us to, to chat. Um, and we thank them for making what we do possible. That's it. And don't forget, we've got the um, uh, the beer coming up. Oh, the, the independent, independent, independent label yes, beer. Yes, yes, yes. So I need to, sorry, I, I, um, yes. Um, we'll have that. Uh, we, we just need to pick up on that and get, and get that beer. Um, It'll be in your intro there somewhere. Right? We'll I, need I need to work out. Oh, no, no, I, I know who is making it and we know, so we will come up with that and maybe even start sending some of our uh, regular guests. Some beers, excellent. And um, hopefully, you know, you never know, it might become such a popular beer because of the message on the label as well as the, uh, you know, the liquid in the can, Matt. Um but that beer cartel might also uh, perhaps you know be able to slot it into their uh, their mix six packs. Very beer good cartel, point. back again. Don't forget, all letter writers will receive a Brews News bottle opener and oh. go into the draw to win a mix six pack. Thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week, which will start from next week. So start sending stuff in. Just to clarify, the letter of the week because you know we're still talking you know, analog technology, um, <laughs> and well, we did get some nice written letters last year, um, but. Emails, anyone who emails us, um, because we straight away have you um, captured in our system, um, that is Sam, um, we will respond with and, and get your postal address. If you um, comment uh, on the Facebook group um, or on Twitter or something like that and we read your letter out, 
then if you hear your name mentioned on an upcoming episode because you've we've read out one of your letters, shoot us your your postal address uh, because we can't reply to everybody. Um, uh, we just don't have the resources. So if you hear us mention your letter on um, the podcast, um, we will send you give, a bar blade. Give us your address and we'll yeah. send you a bar blade. And, get, and you'll go into the draw. But it's not every letter or every correspondence or things like that because we just... No, can't. no, 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 no. Just the, the selected ones. Yeah. Just the good ones. The ones that tickle us. Or that we find particularly interesting. Matt, I reckon we probably need to wrap it up at we that do. point because I'm guessing some people are probably still kind of in a little bit of holiday mode. So we want to ease them back into uh, the, the world of 2020 Good Brews Week. I think we do. Yeah, I think, I think we owe it to them. So welcome back. Thanks for joining us. I uh, hope you all had a good break. And um, we look forward to, uh, to bringing you more of this in 2020. Uh, Matt, thanks very much for joining us again. Welcome back. Thank you. And uh, yes, listeners, remember, it, whilst we don't like to blow our trumpet, if you want to blow it for us, please do. Exactly. Um, and look forward to catching up with you, Matt. Um, Australia Day weekend up in Cairns. Yeah, mate. Well, we'll speak before then. Um, so we'll, we'll get it done. But yes, listeners, if you want to download the app um, and you can through mixlr.com, um, you'll find a link in the show notes. Um, you can download the app to your phone um, and also bookmark the, the address and it will send you a note anytime that we go live. Um, so you can sort of get notification if we're ever doing a live podcast. So please, uh, if you want to yeah. join us on the, the 25th of January, you're welcome to do that. And through the Facebook group, Matt, I'm sure we'll also send people out reminders uh, as we get a little bit closer to Australia Day. Absolutely. No worries. Mate, take care and I'll see Thanks, you all mate. again next week. Thank you all listeners and we'll see you all again next week on another episode of Good Brews Week. And we're out. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by, by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. 